All right, we're going to go to Luke chapter 2 today. So if you have a Bible, Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be uh, as we look at these, these stories of Christmas. And so as we think about Christmas, we think about gifts and wrapping. Let me ask confession. We, we do a lot of confession in church, right? This is a safe place. You won't tell on each other, right? We won't, we won't gossip about things. So honestly, raise your hands, honestly, how many people in your life have snooped on your Christmas presents and found them? Okay, yeah. So, so now, good thing or bad thing? I mean, I've, I found my present, so it was like this, the thrill of the hunt and then, you know, discovery and all that. But it doesn't Christmas morning kind of stink then? You know what I mean? Like, there's something cool about surprises. And, and curiosity and all that can, can mute out surprises. And so you, you looked around and you found the closet where your parents had all the gifts, and then you found out what you had. I knew somebody who opened up all their gifts and then rewrapped them. Now, that's messed up, right? Some, that, that person needs some help. Like, just fess up. Hey, I opened them all. I couldn't wait, you know? What do you think about surprises? Do you, do you like surprises? Do you love surprises? Or do you hate surprises? I guess it kind of depends on what kind of surprises have shown up in your life, right? If I came up to you after the service and say, surprise, you're going on vacation, fully paid right now for a week. Everybody likes that surprise, right? That's a great surprise. I love surprise. Surprises are awesome. This, this past week, um, I had another surprise. It was that suddenly the key in my van would no longer turn to start the car. Great surprise. Surprise. It's going to cost you a couple hundred dollars to keep running your car. What kind of surprises show up in your life? And so if you knew each surprise was going to be a good one, you'd probably love them. But there, if your unexpected stuff that showed up in your life has been filled with loss and pain, you probably dread the unknown. You probably would like to control things a little more. You probably are one of those people who's always looking out ahead because you're worried about what might be coming because you know the pain and the loss that can come when something pops up unexpectedly. But let me ask you this. In your experience in life, have you ever been felt like you ran into a brick wall, like, like a surprise showed up and, and your life was going along just fine and all of a sudden you ran into this brick wall and everything blew up and it felt like it was all over, but... Somewhere down the road, you realized, you know what? That was the best thing that ever happened to me. Isn't that weird how that happens? What can feel awful in a moment can turn into something really, really good as you go down the road further on. And that's the weird thing is because initial reactions and human reactions to surprises may not be a good gauge about whether or not this is something that's going to be good for you in your life. And hopefully you've learned that. Hopefully you've learned that what it feels like today may or may not be a good indication of what's coming. And so we're looking at the faces of Christmas. We're looking at these familiar characters and these familiar passages in the Word of God because Christmas is a time of surprises. We're talking about something unexpected showing up. And and the Christmas story in the Word of God started off with some pretty big surprises. Christmas in the Gospels, we've seen Herod, We've seen Joseph. Today, we're going to look at the people who probably had the biggest surprise in all the Christmas story. Now, I am sure that Joseph and Mary, when the angel showed up, that was a pretty big surprise, you know. 
I think if, if tonight when you lay your head down on your pillow and suddenly there's somebody in the room and they're glowing and they're like, hey, just came from heaven with a message from God for you, I think you'd probably be pretty surprised. But the shepherds had a special whole experience of the surprise and the news of Christmas. They were uninvolved. They were off to the side, and they got this giant show. And so I'm hoping that as we read these verses that are very, very familiar about the Christmas story, that you don't lose the meaning, the the message, the experience, the reality of some real people on a hillside watching sheep at night. Now, that sounds really cool when you've got little kids up here with robes on and things on their head. But if I said, listen, we're going to start being sheep herders. Who volunteers to stay up all night outside in winter on a hill watching sheep? You're not like, yeah, I want to do that. I hope it doesn't wash away the reality of their experience. And I also hope this. I hope that you grasp the the mind-blowing truth that God chose to give these words that really are the defining words of Christmas today to some shepherds on a hillside. Maybe you're like the shepherds today. Maybe you're sitting there and, and you're just kind of going along in your normal life, doing your routine, doing the, you know, some hard things. You're kind of tired. You're exhausted. You're unappreciated. You feel maybe invisible. And Christmas is, is going, it's churning, and you're in the thick of details and schedules and making life happen. And all of a sudden, you find yourself surprised with something unexpected. Something that disturbs the the normal flow of your life and it demands a response from you. And the question is, are you willing to change your whole life because of what you're hearing, because of what just showed up, because of what you never expected to be dealing with? Or do you just want to wish it all away and try to get everything back to normal as soon as possible? Maybe you came today just because a friend or a family member was going to sing. And all you expected was, you know, hey, it's going to be some Christmas music and I'll be there and I like my friend or I like my my son or my daughter or whatever. And so I'm glad that they're here and I'm glad. And all of a sudden, we're opening up the Word of God and you're kind of like, I'm not sure about this. I think it's time to tune out. What are you going to do with things that show up in your life that you didn't expect? Are you going to respond to them or are you going to wave them away? And so let's look at this experience on a dark night on a hill near Bethlehem all those years ago. Start with me at verse 8 and 9 of Luke chapter 2. Here's what it says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. All right. So shepherds, think about, get your head into shepherd mode. What's a shepherd like? What does a shepherd do? Here they are, up on a hillside. I'm not sure anybody today could actually be a shepherd. And not anybody in America, anyway. Do you know why? Because the worst possible thing that can happen to you in your life today is that you might be bored. We got so much going on all the time. Like, you know, there's a lull in the conversation. What do you do? You grab your phone. What's going on somewhere else? Did did anything happen? We even have, like... Man, it was really slow news day. Man, it was nothing really happening. You know, you know what that was called in old times, slow news day? Just a regular day. 
You just did your stuff. You just went about your business, you know? I mean, here they are, these shepherds, sitting on a hillside watching sheep. For us, man, I'm bored. We equate boredom today, a lack of stimulation, constant influx of information. We, we equate that to unproductive, unhappy living. Boredom equals bad for us today. And so here are these men sitting out hour after hour. If you've ever stayed up all night, I used to drive through the night a lot, going down to school and back to school. If you've ever stayed up through the night, there's not a lot that happens during the night. You know, everything kind of quiets down and everybody's kind of still and it's just minute after minute. It's just dark. It's still dark. It's dark again. You know, it's like (laughs) nothing's going on. Here they are, middle of the night, watching sheep who are probably asleep, camped out in the fields overnight. It is a normal night for them. They went to this night, camping out of the fields, thinking, here we go. We've got to make it through this night. I just hope we stay awake. I hope no, no predators come in. I, you know, There's some danger of having them out in the field. And they weren't always out in the field, but this night they were. And there were seasons where they had to be out in the field with the sheep. And this is one of those nights. And so here they are, normal part of their job, not a lot to do, probably just trying to keep warm and not somehow fall asleep. Doing this thankless, boring job. There were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks at night. They didn't go out that night thinking, this is going to be an incredible night. I can't wait for this night. This is going to be so cool. There's going to be angels everywhere and singing. And Just a normal night. Hope I don't fall asleep. Man, I'm really tired. Man, that dumb sheep, you know. <laughs> and by the way, usually this task was given to the person who lost the, 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 the battle, you know, the lowest on the totem pole. We see in David's story that he was the shepherd because he was the youngest. They were like, not me, not me, not me, not me, not me. Okay, David, it's you. You get to be the shepherd. Nobody else wants to do this job. You get to do this job. And you can imagine why. You know, it's, it is the job that nobody really is excited about. And so they go out into the field with no expectation, with no waiting, with no thought that tonight would be any different from any other night. And aren't you glad that God doesn't play off of our expectations? I mean, I know sometimes it's really frustrating and you want to ask God why, but aren't you glad that God doesn't go, now what do you expect? God doesn't come to us and like, like we do with our kids. What do you want for Christmas? Give me a list. God says, listen, you, just you wait till you see what I got you for Christmas. He doesn't wait for us to be ready. He looks at us and sees us when we're in need and he comes and meets us in our need. Many times we wave him off because when he comes, he comes at times that are inconvenient, times we weren't expecting him, times we didn't really think we wanted him. And he comes and invites us to do something that maybe we didn't really want to do. But he comes in the moment of our need. And all of a sudden, out here on the dark fields, it says an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Can you imagine the surprise that this was to them? I mean, I'm sure it's hard to imagine what surprise it would be to have an angel appear to you unless you've had an angel appear to you. But can you imagine? They're just sitting there, fire maybe going, and suddenly an angel. Maybe, Maybe your brain doesn't work like this, but my brain works like this. Like, how did the angel show up? Like, I'm, you think maybe he just appeared in the sky, but it doesn't say he was in the sky. Maybe he just walked up to the fire. He's like, hey. 
How's it going, guys? What did they, what did they think? What, did he, did he appear, like, come in like a Star Trek, you know, like that kind of thing? How did he show up? And of course, it, it tells us that they knew he wasn't a normal guy because the glory of the Lord shone around them. So there was light. Isn't it interesting that the glory of the Lord shone around them in the middle of the dark night? Which is exactly what Christmas is about. You think about this. You think about how dark it feels like our world is. God brings light into the darkness. That's what Christmas is about. Don't ever get discouraged or dismayed by the darkness around you. I have this news for you. Darkness has never stopped God ever. His glory shone, and it was just more evident that it was the glory of the Lord because it was in the middle of the darkness. You can bemoan the culture all you want about how it's turning to darkness, but it won't do anything to bemoan it, folks. What God's prescription for the darkness is this. Be light. God has made you children of light, so live as children of light. Part of the reason that the world is so dark is so that the light is more evident and so that God can make his calling for people to come to the light. But all we do is shake our fist at the dark. God did not say to you, I want you to go to the darkness and yell at it. I want you to tell everybody how wrong they are. He said, be light. Go out and be light. That's the opportunity that we have, an opportunity that says, in the power of God that has never been stopped by the darkness, we will be light. And so here we've got shepherds who are just doing a normal, everyday job, a thankless job, a, a, a trackless job. It just This is an uneventful evening that is only remember because God chose to show up in it. And so let me say this to you. Maybe you feel like your life is just one boring day after the next, and and your job is just meaningless and purposeless. I will tell you this. Do not underestimate the value of simple, small acts of faithfulness. Because that's where God shows up in your life. Simple, small acts of faithfulness. Has God given you this job? Has God given you this role? Then just be faithful in it. And by that, by that action of faith that says, if God gave this to me, it must be the thing for me to do. Let me keep doing it. And if it doesn't look like anything's happening, it doesn't look like tomorrow's anything's different than today, I'm not perturbed by that because it's in God's hands. He's asked me to do this, and I'm going to do this. Here we got shepherds out on the hillside that we know nothing else about than the fact that they were doing what they were supposed to do, even though it was an invisible, thankless, boring job. And God said, those are the people I want. Let me go talk to them. Let me go give them the message of good news. You never know when something life changes is going to show up when you're just doing the dullest and most invisible things of life. I mean, for me, I, I quickly think of an example. Uh, I just went to lunch one day and I met Dana and my whole life changed. I didn't go to lunch like, let me see what I'm going to do. Where am I going to sit? Let me, I just went and sat down and ate lunch, right? And God showed up in, in this is my plan for you, Mark, right? So, You never know when God's going to show up. Some of your greatest act of faith is to just keep doing what you've been told to do, what you know you're supposed to do, to be faithful in it and leave where it's all going to God. And by the way, has anybody noticed we don't even know these guys' names? We know Herod, we know Joseph, 
We know Mary. We know some other people in the story. We call these people shepherds. They're just shepherds. How many of them? I don't know. A bunch of them. There's, a, you know, some guys. They're like shepherds. There's like this group. God chose to give the greatest declaration, the words that ring forever as the Christmas story, to some nameless guys that thousands of years later, we still don't know their names. And it doesn't matter, does it? Because it's not about me. It's about him. God is seen as great in this story, not the shepherds. Will you want God to be great in your life or do you want to be great in your life? Do you want your legacy, your reputation to live on or do you want his? And so the angel shows up and they're terrified, as you can imagine. But in their terror, they could miss the message, the reason that this angel showed up. And the question is, will their fear mute out the message or will they hear it? So let's hear the message. Verse 10 down to verse 14. Here's what it says. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. As you can imagine, that was something. A great company of the heavenly hosts comes to give a message to some nameless men who are up in the middle of the night doing a job nobody cared to do. And to them are given the words of Christmas. Good news of great joy. Peace on earth. Maybe the, the phrase that is most often associated with Christmas. Peace on earth. Given to the shepherds. Not given to Joseph. Not given to Mary. Not given to the high priest or the king. Given to some nameless shepherds on a hillside. Peace on earth. Glory to God in the highest. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Do you feel invisible? Do you ever feel unimportant? God brought this news to some men who were the definition of nobodies. And the stories that we have here in Luke and, and Matthew about the, 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 what happened when Jesus was born were probably not written down till decades after they were dead. They never knew they were famous. The suggestion at the end of the story is that the reason we know the story is because of Mary. Mary kept all these things in her heart. And sometime later, she explained the story to the disciples of Jesus who, who passed it on in stories so that it got written down. Not the shepherds. Mary. So they never knew the impact. They knew, never knew that their part in this story would be the most memorable part thousands of years later. They were just some guys doing their job because they were the bottom of the totem pole. And they have the part of the story that we remember the best. So what does that mean for you? Maybe we should stop trying to evaluate whether I matter or not. Whether I'm big enough, whether anybody sees me. 
it may well be that the purpose God has for your life will not come to fruition until decades after you're gone. And does that surprise you? That God might be planting seeds through you now that will not come to fruition for a long time and you'll never see it until you're with Him in glory. Now, the enemy will come whisper in your ear, see, told you, nothing good's going to happen to you. You're, you're a nobody. Nobody cares about you. That, ever, anybody ever hear that in your ear? That's not God. God, who sent his son to die for you, would not say you're a nobody, you're a nothing, nobody cares about you. God would not say that. There's a different source for that. That source is meant to discourage and deflate. That source is meant to turn you from what would be productive in your life, from simple acts of faith that God could use, like he used the simple act of faith of these shepherds. And the angel says to them, hey, you're not in danger. Don't be afraid. You're not in trouble. I'm here from God, but he's not mad at you. I'm bringing you good news. Good news. We get the word gospel from this phrase, good news. I bring good news to you. Instead of being terrified, he's saying to them, you should be filled with great joy. The news that I'm bringing to you is going to fill up you with great joy. And it's for all men. What news is he bringing to them? And by the way, what does, when we celebrate Christmas, what does the news that God himself became a man to live and die for you, what's that do in your soul? Anything? When was the last time that that brought you great joy? Has it been any time gone by? Is that in front of you? Is that is this something you hold on to or is that something that goes away? Maybe emotionally you're, you're far, far away from great joy. It's always true. The truth never changes. God came to earth. God became a baby. God grew into a man and gave his life for you. Does that affect your life? Did, has it affected your life today? Will it affect your life tomorrow? This great joy is available to everyone. It is for all the people. This great joy, that means, is for you. Do you live full of joy? Many, many people in this world go around crashing into one thing after the next, trying to find some joy in this life. They might find a taste of it. They might find a a little short meal of it that satisfies them for a few hours. But then they're on the chase again. They're on the hunt again. God said, I didn't make you to live with that kind of joy that just comes and goes like that. I made you to live with great joy. And here's how I did it. I came to save you. I came to rescue you. You were in darkness and I came to bring you into the light. You don't have to be on the outside wondering what's going on in all those happy people. You don't have to chase the next thing down the road. Well, this will satisfy and this will be good and this will be enough. And when I get there, then I'll finally feel good about my life. You don't have to keep chasing. The chase is over. The chase is a lie. Light has come. A Savior has been born to you, Christ the Lord. Joy to the world. He's come. You see? All of the the, the wrangling and the stress and the, the rumbling we do in our life, when we get to Christmas, it should remind us that we were made for joy. 
If you're not experiencing this joy, listen to the news he gives. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Today, it's happened. It's a reality. It's not something that's coming. It's not a promise of something down the road. It's a reality. It is a baby that has been born. Now, I'm sure that these guys on the hillside were like, um, okay, a baby's been born. Okay, what does that mean for me? Do you know what I mean? Like, you could look at this and you could say, in this small little package, certainly mom and dad would have some joy and and grandparents would have some joy and friends and family would be like, yeah, this is great. But I'm a shepherd on a hillside. What do I care? You know? I mean, if it was a bunch of women, maybe they'd be like, oh, but it's a bunch of guys, you know? (laughs) They're out there like, I don't know. It's a baby. It cries. It keeps me up at night. The baby has been born to you. So, so this doesn't sound like great news. Did you ever notice that God's good news comes to you in packages that don't feel like great news? Because God cares enough about you not to just please you, but to do what you absolutely at the depths of your soul need for him to do. And so here we have a baby that is born. And the, the baby is a savior. Have you thought about what it means to have a Savior? A Savior is someone who rescues those in danger. Those in danger need someone to come save them. And so for all of history, men have lived in danger. They have lived in eternal danger, spiritual danger for all of history. Why? Because we blow it. Because we make mistakes. Because we try to do the right thing. We wind up doing the wrong thing because we know the right thing to do and we say, ah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the wrong thing. We, we mess it up. And because of that, we are in eternal danger. And we need a Savior. We've tried to think we're not in any danger. I've done more good than, than bad. I think God probably likes me. At least I'm not as bad as that person over there. We've tried to brush it aside in our head, but deep inside each soul is an awareness that we will answer for ourselves and that we have no answer for ourselves. That one day we will stand before the God who created everything and we'll have nothing we can say except guilty. And the punishment is eternal. Your soul knows this to be true. Your soul may not like it, but your soul knows it to be true. The angel comes and says, this is the good news. A Savior has been born. That thing that you've been playing games with inside of you about, I hope I matter, I hope I'm enough, I hope God likes me. Guess what? A Savior has been born. We can settle this issue. We can take it off of your shoulders. We will put it on Him. He is Christ the Lord. He has come to rescue those who cannot save themselves because He is the Messiah. The word Christ is the word for the promised one. By God and the angels throughout history, there is one coming who will save you, who will rescue you. He is the Christ. He is the one for whom there is no substitute, although many have exhausted themselves trying to find substitute saviors. What do you turn to when life is miserable? to save you. Do you turn to entertainment? Let's turn on TV. Let's go play some video games. Let's go root for some sports teams. Let's Music. I'm going to get entertained. Then I don't have to think about my life. Do you turn to substances? 
You know, let's just let's just get wasted tonight, and we'll, we'll just get out. Absolutely, we're gonna have some fun, man. Because I don't I want to think about my life. Is that your savior? Is that rescuing you from life? Maybe you turn to food. Maybe you turn to family. Maybe you turn to friends. Maybe you turn to relationships. Maybe you turn to pouring yourself into your job. What's your savior? Because you're worshiping him. You know, you're giving your life to him. You know, but it won't save you. It will enslave you. It will demand more and more of you, but never pay off. It'll give you little tastes to keep you coming, but it'll never pay off with salvation. But this baby, this baby has come to be the Savior, the only Savior. Inside of Him, He brings everything we need to be completely, eternally rescued. And so inside of your heart is a longing for this promise to be fulfilled. We look for salvation in so many ways. What I can do, the talents I have, the fulfilling my desires, my work, my good deeds, the way that I love. We look for salvation. We look for this promise of rescue somehow, some way. But it can only be fulfilled in someone big enough to do this job. And that's why he is Christ the Lord. He's not just anybody. He's not just a normal baby. He's God in human flesh. Christ the Lord. God himself has come to rescue us. Why? There is no why. Beyond all reason, beyond all hope, God has come to rescue you simply because of who he is. Well, he doesn't know, you don't know who I am. It's not based on who you are. It's based on who he is. God is love. God is Redeemer. God is Savior. God, because of who He is, wants to save you. So they say, hey, this is a specific child. This is a sign. This is how you'll find Him. You you can't just go find anybody to be your Savior. You can't just go pick any baby and say, that must be Him. Don't just go looking for a baby. Look for this specific one. Don't miss out on who it is, right? You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, Exactly how many babies do you think were lying in a manger that night? If you're a mom, do you like to put your kids like where animals eat? You know what I mean? Like that's pretty nasty, right? There's not a lot of like clamoring to get in line for the manger. Oh, I want my baby in the manger. Oh, let me put my baby in the manger, right? That's what you want to keep them from. So they went down to this town to find a baby in a manger. One specific child. That's pretty exclusive, I know, but that's how Jesus presents it. There is one Savior. There is one way to heaven. There is one rescue for all mankind. Jesus Christ, the Lord. And the angel says, you will find, because the angel knows they're going to go looking. Because why? That's the only normal thing to do when a bunch of angels show up to you and say, there's a baby born. You got to go see him. You go look for him. So they're going to go look for him. But, but just, what if they didn't? What if they hadn't? Mary would have never heard the story. We would have never heard the story. As a matter of fact, crazy. What if there were other people that got told that night that were like, I must have had some bad, you know, water or something. What if there were other people we never heard about who heard the news and said, nah, nah. You're here today hearing the news. What are you going to do with it? You're going to embrace it? 
Are you going to like nod your head and like, okay, I'm going to go on with normal life. Let me get back to normal life. What's so great about normal life anyway? You know it's coming to an end. You know there's pain. You know there's heartache. You know there's heaviness to this life. There is a promise of a rescue and a life to come in Jesus Christ. Who wouldn't want that? Maybe it inconveniences or changes your plan, but who cares, right? And so just so that they really, really get it, a great company of heavenly hosts appears. And they say that glory to God in the highest. It gets even bigger. We don't have any idea how many, but it says a great company. So we're probably talking about too many to count. And so they say glory to God in the highest. This is God's glory. This is God's greatest glory. You go out and you look up at the night, especially in the winter sky, the stars in the heaven. Imagine how far it is to those stars. God is great. You put a, put a, a leaf under a microscope and look at the design of the way God made living things to function and to work. Look for the way that he provides for the needs of every creature on this earth. Look at the greatness of God. But that's not what they say is the glory to God in the highest. You know what's glory to God in the highest? That he would come to save you. That's the biggest glory there is. So you want to bring glory to God? Receive it. Live in it that he's come to rescue. Love like he loves. Live like he lived. Love the unlovable. Love your enemies. Help those who can't help you in return. This is the way God loves. You want glory to God in the highest? Show his love the way he did. Peace on earth. One of the most familiar phrases said to some nameless shepherds doing a job nobody else wanted to do. Peace on earth comes through this event. And just because it's here, just because it's come, doesn't mean you have it. Peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. God has shown his love and favor to all. He's put it on display. But only those who respond, only those who receive, does his favor come to rest. Is it a settled issue? And that can be you today if you'll give your life to him. In fact, only when he is your savior like that do you get peace. You won't find it anywhere else. Every other sense of peace is just a taste of the real thing. Maybe tantalizing, maybe, maybe wonderful, but not deep enough, not lasting enough. Because Jesus came, we can have peace. And if we don't have peace, it's, because we ran, it's not because he ran out of it. It's not because it's no longer available. It's because we turned from the Savior, Christ the Lord. And so what do the shepherds do? Verse 15, when the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem, of course, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Naturally, they say, let's go see. And that's the invitation to each of you today. You've heard the good news. Why don't you go and see like the shepherds? This is a great, powerful, tremendous truth. Jesus is ready to save you, to change your life, to lead you every day. God has told you about it. All that's left is for you to respond. These guys hurried. They didn't wait. They hurried to go see. Don't wait. The news is too good to wait. But the other invitation is this. 
when they saw, they went and told. Part of Christmas is when you've received it, when you're living in it, you can't help but share it. Have you? Christmas is a time for us to find ways to share it. How do we do that? Yeah, that's the right question. How do we do that? That's the question that should be in front of you every day. How to do it? We have to keep responding to the good news. There is no greater cause than the one for which God died. There, you will never find a greater cause than the one for which God gave his life. And so today, have you responded? Maybe you're still a little surprised. This wasn't in your plan. Don't let it keep you just because you didn't expect it from doing what you need to do. And if you've been closed up in sharing the good news, just like the shepherds who went to work one night and found out this great truth and couldn't hold it in, embrace that truth again. And let's share it. Because that's what, that's what Christmas is. Christmas is wonderful in its celebration, but the celebration without the message of good news is meaningless. Absolutely meaningless. And so let's do that as we celebrate Christmas this Christmas season. I'm going to ask if you would stand with me. We're going to close in a word of prayer and get on our way today. Thank each of you for being here. If you're someone here today who doesn't know Christ as your Savior, I would love to talk to you. Please come up and get me. I would be glad to introduce you to him. If you're someone here today who has not shared the news in a while, look for an opportunity this week. And as we bow our heads to pray, ask God to bring you one. Share the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning, for all of the celebration, for all of the wonder that there is in this Christmas season. But Father, I pray that as your word declares the truth to us, that we would receive it and that we would live in it. Father, if there are any here this morning who don't know where they stand with you, they haven't really made a choice. Maybe they call themselves a Christian, maybe because they go to a certain church or they've always considered themselves a Christian, but they've never actually received Jesus. Father, I pray that today your spirit would be prompting at their heart for them to cry out and say, Lord, save me. I pray that they would do that even in this moment. And Father, for your people, we have heard the good news. It doesn't matter who we are. We can be nameless, faceless people doing the lowest job, but you've come to give us the news. Father, fill us with the joy to share it. Help it to be uncontainable. Help the light to shine brightly through your people this week and this Christmas season as we live in the reality that a Savior has been born to us, Christ the Lord. And so, Father, we pray now that your Spirit would go with us, use us, and lead us according to your power and your wisdom, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless.